Thanks for joining us. To keep up with the latest news and podcasts, visit www.propelchurchaz.com. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Good morning. How are you guys doing today? You doing well? All right. I get a chance to actually come and speak to you guys today about this topic, hashtag the struggle is real. But before I jump into this, I want to encourage ladies. That particular last particular announcement about that particular conference that's coming up, I am going to encourage you to go. Every time I see that particular, I want to go. I'm going to be honest. It's it's a whooping thing. I get fired up. I want to go. But what I want to encourage you with this is that I want you to invest in yourself. And that's exactly what that is. When you go to women's conferences and things like that, you're around people, like-minded people. So I'm going to encourage you with that. It's actually next month, so you got enough time to take a look at your work schedule. If you have to work that that day, take a look at a vacation day. If you can't get a vacation day, maybe looking at somebody trading today with you, okay? Also, husbands, I'm going to challenge you the same way. If you are, if your wife is a stay-at-home mom, guess what? You may need to take that day off because she needs that. She needs that encouragement. So I am going to challenge you all, please show up for that because I can guarantee God is going to pour out something that day that is going to be amazing, okay? So let's jump into this Today I get a chance to talk about hashtag the struggle is real. And whenever I do a message, I always like to give you guys a piece of me as a, as a person. Give you a chance to get the chance to know me. For you guys who don't know me, I'm Pastor Eddie Bethune, but please just call me Eddie. I love that, okay? Because I don't want people to think I'm holier than thou. You can talk to me. I'm a real person, okay? But one of the hashtag struggles in my life is I found out last week I was having some vision issues. Never wore glasses a day of my life. All of a sudden, I'm sitting here, I'm reading something for school, and I'm like, why in the world is the word the running off the page? I'm like, what in the world is going on? So hashtag the struggle is real. I officially wear reading glasses now, okay? So if you see me out here in the streets, okay, you see these on, it's a problem. I will be going to get, you know, try to get my eyes checked out because these are okay, but I need something a little bit more stylish, okay? That's just the type of person that I am, Okay. Let's jump into this. Hashtag the struggle is really. Today I get a chance to talk about something that is really important. It's about having conversations. Conversations and struggles and conflicts is something that really drives home this particular subject. Because a lot of times what happens, this is where we struggle the most. And on my job, it's funny, is that I've spent time in different departments, and one of my favorite departments was customer relations. Customer relations was a beast, and is a beast. Because the thing is, you're going to get the most difficult person to work with. Those are some of the hardest conversations you will ever have. The majority of times before they get to somebody in my area is that they spoke to at least three other people, sometimes two. And a lot of times what happens is in those conversations, person number one didn't listen to what that person had to say. They didn't escalate it on the person number two. To get to person number two, person number two does the same thing that person number one does. They don't listen to what the person has to say. Then when they come my way, I say, okay, what's going on? What's happening? And nine times out of ten, at the end of the conversation, I get one of these. Thank you for listening to what I had to say. Hard conversations will require us to listen 
to what people have to say. We live in a society today where listening has become a foreign entity. It's all about us. And that's what happened in conflicts. Conflicts, the majority of the time, is about one person, the individual who wants to get their point across. And that's where we start to have difficulties. So we're going to talk about this because hard conversations are actually something we are supposed to have. A lot of times we run away from these conversations and we don't want to have them. And then what happens, it builds up into something that we can no longer handle. And when it gets there, there's the explosion. It has a ripple effect. Husband and wives, for example, when we have these particular disagreements, these particular conflicts that happen and they're not dealt with, what it does, it feeds on to the next generation. They see this as the way that they should conduct themselves at home, also in public. But what happens, they then come along to somebody that will challenge that behavior and they don't know how to respond. Our conversations is actually something we are supposed to have. Jesus actually tells us we're supposed to have these type of conversations. When he's actually speaking to his disciples, he tells them that this is something we have to do. But a lot of times what happens when we have these difficult conversations, when we have to tell somebody about their role in something, is looked upon as we being judgmental. Okay? And it's not that at all. But sometimes what we do, we create the judgmental environment. It's something that we do ourselves by not looking at it holistically. Jesus puts it this way when actually speaking to his disciples saying that this is something that we're supposed to do is point out somebody's role in conflict. And it's found in Matthew 18, verses 15 through 16. And this is what Jesus says. If your brother or sister is in sin, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. Now, this is what I want you to do. Underline the word if. If. You're going to see the word if here quite a few times. Underline the word, underline the word if. If they listen to you, you have won them over. But, here's if again, they will not listen, take one or two others along, so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If you continue to read this particular stanza, a scripture, Christ also says, if that doesn't work, take it to the church to have somebody help you with this issue, okay? But I want to focus on the word if, because the word if, although a small, a very small word, it holds so much weight here, because this is where we fall short a lot of times when it comes to dealing with conflict, when we have to point out somebody else's error. Christ says this, number one, if there is sin, if there is, not if we don't like the person, or if their perspective is different than our own. It's sin that we are to focus on. A lot of times what we do in these situations, that's what we do. Then the second part is this, if they listen, if they listen, meaning the person has the right to agree or disagree with you. This is where I'm going to focus on today. This is where we fall short. What happens, the, more, the majority of the times when somebody doesn't agree with what it is that we have to say, we go all in. 
all in at that point. I'm pointing this out to you. You have to listen to what it is that I have to say. And what happens at that point, it becomes all about you and not the sin in that person's life. They have a choice. And what happens, we fail to give them a choice. I'm not the only one. Okay, I've been there. I've done it myself. So I will tell on myself, yes, I've had some situations where I know that this person is absolutely doing something wrong. But what happens, I want them to get it right so bad, I forget the fact that that's a person that I'm speaking to. That's right, amen. And a lot of times that's what we do, even in our own homes. We do these things, okay? It's going to be quiet today, I'm going to be honest to you, okay? (laughs) This has been a very quiet series, but I can guarantee you this. Everybody in here has gotten better from it. I have heard testimonies from other people during this series. We have the at-home series that are going, and people are getting better. Hard conversations will make you get better. That's what they're about, okay? But it comes down to the way that we respond to our brothers and sisters in Christ when we're pointing out their contribution and conflict. But it's not limited to Christians, I'm going to let you know that it's not limited to Christians, but it's all the people around us, including our family members, coworkers, and neighbors. They are a part of our body of influence, and sometimes we have to point them in the right direction. This is what Peacemaker Ministry lets us know as Christians. We are sometimes called to help others see their contribution to conflict, but I love buts and ifs, okay? Because they make you stop at your place. You have to think. But the way we do it, that is crucial. Amen. That, is the, that is the absolute truth. Amen. The way that we do it is what is crucial. Right. I can guarantee we've all been there. Again, like I've already shared, I know I have. We have the best intentions in mind to help somebody see what their contribution is in this conflict. But when we get to the moment of truth, that particular moment where we have just like, it's time. I'm going to let you know what's going on. We, we, there's an ultimate fail. What we, ended up, what we end up doing is adding actually fuel to the fire. The majority of the times. Using statements like, you always. Or, you never. As soon as somebody hears those particular statements, and believe me, I use them. I tell them myself, and I know you have too. This is what the other person hears. I never do anything right. As soon as you say the word, you always, that person instantly starts to flash back and think about things that have happened, events that have happened. That's what they think about. So when you start to use words like this, you always, the question in their head is, do I ever do anything right? Conflict. Okay? You never. Okay, that's another one. You never. Bro, you never take out the garbage. What? What do you mean? I took out the garbage last week. <laughs> okay? <laughs> Stuff like that. Okay? When, you, when somebody says you never, that's what they think about. I've never done anything right. Fuel to the fire. That's what we're adding. Okay, you've gotten your point across, but the other person looking like, what in the world is going on here? I'm doing nothing right here. Do I have any value to you? That's what happens in conflict. 
the other person questions their value. And it's hard. Like I said, dealing in the realm of work that I deal in, I have to have these type of conversations with employees, customers at times. What is your value? I have to speak life into people, and that's what God is asking us to do here. Jesus is saying in these times, it's our role to speak life to people, not condemn individuals, point out their particular faults. Yeah, they've done something wrong, and they know that. But what they need you to do is to come beside them. Walk me through this process, please. That's what I'm looking for. Walk me through. I'm not going to get everything right. None of us are. There's not a perfect person, except for Jesus, who's walked this earth. Who we are as Christians is this. We are imperfect people serving a perfect God. That's who we are. That's who we are. Okay? And when we understand that concept, that helps us to realize there's a lot of work that we need to do. There's a lot of cleanup that we need to do also as a Christian society. We've caused conflicts because this is what we've done. Go to them if they listen, if they have a right. If you can't get it done, you take others with you. If you can't get it done that way, come to the church. Ask some individuals to assist you in this matter. That's what this is about. We're in this together. Now, let's do this. Let's take a look at Paul. Paul actually addresses this very issue of how we should actually communicate okay, with people who are in sin, people who are, let's say, at the heart of the conflict, okay? And he talks about this in Galatians. He talks a lot, I have to be honest to you, if you look at Paul's writings, this man talk about conflict all day long. I'm like, in, in every book, Paul is talking about conflict in church. And if you think about churches during that time period, let me stand over here. They were about this big. Not you guys. Sorry, you weren't a part of the church yet. I'm sorry, but over here. This is the number of people actually Paul was talking to. We probably can go back maybe four rows. So everybody behind the fourth row, I'm sorry, you out too. But these, this is the group of people that Paul was talking to, okay? Sometimes when we, when we read scripture, we forget that it wasn't a large body of people who were Christians at that particular time, okay? Sometimes when we also read scripture, we have to realize that a lot of times these particular passages, you'll see like a couple of lines like, oh, that's outstanding. Well, that, was, that took two years to get that taken care of right there, that issue. Okay? So it's a lot of writing, a lot of time period that goes place. But when he's speaking to the Galatian church, this is what he shares when dealing with this issue, the communication issue that we have. He states this, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in sin, you who live by the spirit, underline the word spirit, please. You who live by the Spirit should restore the person, underline the word gently. That's right, amen. Paul calling us out here. We live by the Spirit. Our job is to do it gently. Okay? But check this out. If we don't do it this way, here go the butt again. Watch yourselves. Or you may also be tempted. Here it is. Temptation. If that person isn't listening to me, just what? I just got tempted. I forget the fact that I'm living by the Spirit. It walks instantly out the door. Here we go. Let's keep going. Carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Carry each other's burdens. It's hard to get somebody to carry uh, their wife's purse periodically. (laughs) 
I carry my wife's purse, I do, I do. I try to match it with my outfits as well. If it matches well, I'm, I'm in it, okay? There are certain brands I won't carry though, I tell her. There are some restrictions. But what Paul tells us here is that we are to carry each other's burdens. We make mistakes. We are not perfect. Like I said, imperfect people serving a perfect God. Our job is to carry each other along in this process. But what we forget is the most important part, the spiritual part. That's where we fall short. Okay? Now, what Paul is saying here, restoring someone gently is actually our spiritual responsibility. It is our responsibility to do this. The spiritual act of restoration requires something from all of us. And it's a requirement that has become, again, a foreign concept in today's society. And that's the action of empathy. Empathy. Okay. What empathy does, empathy opens the door to restoration. And what it also does, it draws connection. You guys remember playing with magnets in elementary school? Some parents are probably still playing with magnets now with your kids. But magnets, if you remember, when you first got them, you were fascinated. Like, man, this piece of iron is outstanding. Two pieces, you take a positive and negative, and they come together. Outstanding. But you also notice something else. If you took the positive and positive, it repelled. No connection. You also notice that, hey, if I have a desk, and I put the magnet on top of the desk, and magnet the bullet, they come together. They're still working. That's outstanding. He was like, man. He went home like, mom, this is amazing. Dad, this is amazing. You guys don't know nothing about magnets. And they look at you like, well, all right. Teach me. But let me tell you, let me, that example is so important here. Because the desk represents conflict. That's what the desk represents. But if we work hard enough by the Spirit, we can make a connection. That's what the Holy Spirit wants to do. And that's what empathy does. When we apply empathy to somebody's situation, it helps us to understand their perspective as our own. That's what empathy does. Now sometimes, when we apply this empathy, we also have to realize that when we look at somebody's situation as our own, we understand their burden what it is that this person is going through. It causes us to take a step back, and that's when judgmental, that aspect, it goes out of the door. What is it that got you here? That's what empathy does. And what it does, it calls us to look at an issue holistically, and we start to ask internal questions of the situation. And the internal questions we start to ask again is, why is this person responding in this matter? We also ask questions, why do they believe the way that they're doing this? Or are they responding? Why is this proper? Was it something from their past? Is it something that they grew up with? Is this the expectations that they have? What is it that caused this person to be in a place that they are in? And sometimes what we do, we overlook empathy. It's not there, it's missing, okay? By incorporating both a holistic view, again, we stay out of the temptation of adding fuel to the flyer. But more importantly, by combining both 
the spiritual responsibility of making connection and empathy, it helps us to carry each other's burdens. And Paul puts it this way. When we do this, we actually love our neighbors as ourselves. He talks about Christ's law. Remember, in Matthew 22, and verses 30, 37 through 39, he said, he talked about particular commandments. And he said, the greater, loving God. And then the second one, loving your neighbor as yourself. When you carry somebody's burdens, that's what you do. You begin to love that person just as much as you do yourself. That's what happens when we allow the Holy Spirit to intervene in our conflicts. It helps us to understand somebody else's perspective. And when it comes to love, he talks about loving our neighbors. Love itself is at the core of restoration. And that's what we're doing. When we're going through this process of these tough conversations, it's the goal to restore somebody. That's what we're looking to do. And that's what he's talking about here. And it's the willingness, again, in restoration, and no matter what you're restoring, it's going to cost you something. Restoration costs. Think about Jesus himself. To restore humanity, it cost him his life. To restore somebody who's living in sin, who may be the primary portion of the conflict, it's going to cost you something to get that person where they are. Primarily, there's two things that it's going to cost us. It's not going to cost us our life like Christ, okay? We can't restore anybody with our, with our lives. We're not that special, okay? But the things that it's going to cost us primarily is time and patience. Amen. That's our biggest contribution to restoration. I have two adult children. I have adult children. Okay, so I'm gonna be honest to you. Time and patience is something that I deal with all the time. Amen. Amen. Thank you. <laughs> okay, we in the same club. Okay. Amen. I appreciate you. Thanks for high five later. But uh, this is something we all deal with. Okay. Time and patience is the things that help us to be able to accomplish this. And if you think about restoration in in today's day and age. TV shows love to talk about restoration. Okay, we got TV shows with re- restoring houses, man restoring cars. I mean, they restoring everything. Okay, they restoring some stuff. And at our home, our biggest thing is watching HGTV. I don't know about y'all. Don't judge us. Okay, <laughs> we watch HGT, uh, HGTV a lot. We fall asleep to it. Okay. I wake up in the middle of the night, and I'm like, why in the world are they on the beach? Oh, they're actually getting ready to buy a house. That's what happens in our house. We watch it. That's how much we watch it. I'm serious. We, if we're not watching sports, we're watching HGTV. I'm just letting y'all know now. But what I love about those shows, I really love the, the restoration shows. Those are my favorite, especially when you get the, the new owner who purchased a property like Sight Unseen. Those are my favorite. They walk in, and the place looked like a bomb had just completely went off. They walking around like, what in the world have I gotten myself into? And when it comes to conflict, we ask the same question. What in the world have I gotten myself into? When we're dealing with people in conflict, we're trying to work this out. 
But you're like, man, I got myself in a tough situation. But my favorite part of these shows is actually when the new owner and the subcontractor get together. That's my favorite part. They walk around the whole perimeter of the house, and the subcontractor looking at them like, you do messed up. But they, <laughs> but they walk around the, the entire house, okay? They walk, around the, they walk around the entire house, but what they do is this. They come up with a plan. And the plan includes how much time it's going to take to get this taken care of, the investment that it's going to take, and also the tools that they're going to need to be able to restore this property. And by the time the end of the episode is over, we fast forward through that 30 minutes. House is up on the market. It sells in the majority of the time to get a profit. But it took them some things to get there. Patience, time, investment. Paul himself actually talks about this. He plays the role of a subcontractor when outlining the tools that, that are required for us to be able to restore others. So Paul, the subcontractor, again, talking to another church here. Here's in Colossians. For, uh, Colossians 3, verses 12 through 14. Here he is again. Therefore, as God's chosen people, here we go, God's people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, um, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bury each other. There it is again. He talked to another church. Bury each other. We all got problems. Bury each other and forgive one another if any, there it is again, if, if any of you have grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which, brings them, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Amen. If we look at what Paul is expressing here, Paul is expressing we must prepare ourselves properly for any grievance. That's right. Saying, you know, we need to clothe ourselves. And this part is, is so important. I don't want you to miss this. But he's not saying this with any old garment. Okay. He's saying clothe yourself. Get yourself prepared. This is the subcontractor talking to us to get us prepared for the work that's ahead. Yeah. Restoration. Yeah. Okay? Now this is what he says. He says prepare yourself. And think about when you guys get ready to take a trip. I have a friend that's a truck driver. Love him. He goes to different places across this country, and what he has to do, he has to prepare himself for those trips. Certain locations, if there's snow and things like that, guess what? They got to put chains on those tires to get where it is that they have to be. If not, what happens? The end result is that that particular, uh, the items that he's actually hauling is not going to get there. Proper preparation for the destination. Think about ourselves. When we get ready to travel to different, different locations, maybe across the country, across the world, maybe a, a different continent, what we're doing, we're preparing ourselves for the trip. We're taking a look at what the climate is, and we're packing clothes strictly for that trip. We're preparing for what it is that we plan to enjoy or plan to experience. That's what Paul is saying here. When you're getting ready to have these hard conversations... You need to prepare yourselves. Amen. We have to get ourselves ready for this. And this is what we need to clothe ourselves with, the fruit of the Spirit. Amen. That's exactly what Paul is talking about here. We have to prepare ourselves with the fruit of the Spirit. Right. 
So that lets us know a lot of these things are not automatic in our lives. Patience, gentleness, humility. These things are natural to us. Sometimes we get caught up in our own feelings. And what Paul is telling us, take a step back. What I need you to do is prepare yourself for this conversation that you're getting ready to have. You're getting ready to talk to somebody, and when you're talking to this particular person, you need to apply the fruit of the Spirit. Located, actually, in um, Galatians 5, verses 22 to 23, and this is what Paul says. He said, but the fruit of the Spirit is the following, love, joy, patience, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, in which such thing there's no law. The thing is, what he's telling us, when we get ready to talk to this person, sometimes we, we got to bring out that utility belt. Yeah, I remember Batman. Don't fool me, okay? He had something ready for every occasion, and that's what Paul is talking about here. We have to prepare ourselves when we're getting ready to have this conversation with this person. You've already had a previous conversation. You know this person. So what Paul is saying, sometimes it's going to require you to have more compassion for this person. You may have to apply more kindness. You may be, have to be more gentle with this person. That's the thing that Paul is expressing to us. We have to apply these things. And above all of them, if you apply one single thing, it applies all of them, and that's love. Love. If you apply just one element, and that element is love, it covers everything else. You ain't got to worry about the rest of them. Because love will automatically make you do those things. It's a characteristic of all of those other things is love. That's That's what Paul wants us to do. And when we take that approach, the Holy Spirit then calls us to a a perfect unity. That's what it does. It connects us. The Holy Spirit is looking to go to work to connect us. Remember the magnet that I talked about. What that magnet is doing, if we use it the way that it's designed, it will make that connection. That's what the Holy Spirit is looking to do. If you use me, I will make the connection. Allow me to go to work for you. A lot of times what we do, we go into these things ourselves, okay? When we walk through that, through the door, we leave the Holy Spirit there. He's sitting back there like, no, take me with, let me walk in first, please. Open the door for me. You open the door for me, guess what? I will guide you through this process. I will get you where you need to be. We're imperfect people, again, serving a perfect God. He wants to work through us. The key is we got to give him the opportunity. Okay? Let's do this. When we apply God's spirit in our conflict, Paul shares actually with the Philippian church, and what I like about the Philippian church, they were all Romans. Okay? They were all Roman people. Very hierarchy. So he was like, look, I'm working with, with individuals here where I really need to push a lot of compassion to as far as with that because in their area, they were dealing with people, a lot of people who were slaves. Okay? They didn't know what that was all about. But this is what he does when he's talking to them. He says, do not, um, out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, Build up and build up and humbly uh, consider. Uh, apologize. 
these glasses aren't the best. Consider others better, better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. And that's what the Holy Spirit causes us to do, is not to just look at ourselves. It causes us to look at other people's interests to see what it is that's causing them to behave this way. There's always a root cause. One of my buddies says this, and I love him for this. There's a genesis to every situation. We have to help that person get to the revelation. We have to understand what the genesis is. What got that person there? Why are they behaving in this direction? That's what the Holy Spirit allows us to do. What we do is then we take on their interests. Again, Paul talks about taking on somebody else's burden, and that's exactly what we're doing here. In many difficult conversations, again, we have to keep their interests in mind, and actually Peacemaker Ministry provides a way that we can actually do that, okay? I love Peacemaker's Ministry. These are some great people. And what they call this is what's called the Paul's Principle. The Paul's Principle. So again, you're preparing yourself for this conversation, Okay, gently engaging to deal with the issues. Now, what I'm going to do, I'm going to go through these, but there are also some scriptures here. I want you guys to go back and read these for yourself. And the reason I want you to do this is because everybody in here deals with conflict. None of us are immune from it. The key is, is understanding how to deal with it, how to prepare yourself for this. Let's go. Step number one is prepare Think, a, think ahead about the conversation and what you can do to advance, uh, what you can do in, the, in advance to make it go well. What can you do in advance? How should you prepare yourself? That's what we're looking at. And the question you can ask yourself, will the outcome of this conversation glorify God? That's good. Will the outcome of this glorify God? That's how, one of the things we should do to prepare ourselves. A firm relationship. Every conflict involves both people and a problem. Focus on the problem and not the people makes, it, makes things worse. So make sure that the other person knows that you value the relationship. Let them know that you value them before you even start anything. The reason I'm coming to you is because I value you. I value our friendship and I want to keep our friendship there's some things that we need to work on. Make it about us. Use words like we instead of I or me. We. We need to work on this. Next portion is understand the interest. We've talked about this quite a bit here. Understand interest. Take the time to understand what the other person really wants and cares about. Take time to get to know the person. Understand the person's background. Know where they come from. What is the reason? Why is this person acting this way? Again, you may have to incorporate other people. That's what Jesus is talking about. Take other individuals with you. Do your research before you go and talk to this person. And that's the next one, is search. Search for creative solutions. Don't get stuck on only two choices. I like the fact it says two Because a lot of times we only think that it's one way to resolve an issue. Okay? 
Conflict will require us to do some work. Finding multiple ways to rectify the issue is the best thing to do. Think about when you're traveling, okay? Usually you plan everything out just in case this airline is higher than this one. You're taking a look at alternatives, okay? This is what we're talking about here. Alternative measures may be the route that we need to go. The next one here is evaluate. Options, uh, options objectively and reasonably. Um, then it also goes on to say, include a specific step in the process that checks how the solution is working. Checks and balances here. If the way that I'm doing this isn't effective, I need to go back and reevaluate things. Amen. Maybe I need to start back over. Yep. Maybe I didn't prepare properly. But the ultimate goal is this is restoring that person. Yep. That is what this is about. It talks about helping them understand their contribution. Understanding contribution is gonna take some work, okay? And that work is up to us. Jesus actually calls us to have these hard conversations. And restoring your brothers and sisters, again, it's gonna cost you something. But what I want you to do is to look past the cost. That's right. Look at the reward. That's right. Look at the reward. Many people walk away from Christianity. And a lot of times it's because our own selfish actions. We're not allowing the Holy Spirit to work okay, in our conflicts. Marriages are breaking up because we're not allowing the Holy Spirit to work. Families are breaking up because we're not allowing the Holy Spirit to work. God is community. At his very core, he is community. Amen. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Community. He realized it was not good for man to be alone. Instantly, Eve comes into place because he realized the importance of community. Here at Propel, when you walk in, you'll see something that says, better together. We believe that as a church, we believe that as a community, the way that we get better is being together. That's right. Okay? Amen. And being together will also cause us to have hard and tough conversations. Amen. I challenge you with this. In those conversations, don't forget to bring God along with you. Right. He wants to be a part of of the conversation, but he wants to be the ultimate solution. Amen? Amen. Amen. Amen.